0: Welcome to Encounter Grace, where we come face to face with God's work in the world for our good. Join host Jason McKnight as we explore practical issues of community, theology, and leadership in everyday life. Welcome to Encounter Grace, everyone. I'm Jason McKnight with the inimitable Ben Hendricks. Ben uh, Nobody Can Imitate You. <laughs> 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 hey, we're glad the you're farmers. we're glad you're with us. And we are going to talk today about. God's sovereignty in our salvation. Does God choose me, or do I choose God? These are not small questions, Ben.
1: No, you can tell we didn't decide on this one.
0: <laughs> no, this came out of, a, <laughs> out of a house church conversation. So why don't you why don't you introduce this to us? Why don't you lead us in here?
1: Yeah. So I mean, look, everyone knows. If I think if you read scripture, that God is sovereign. It's on every page. He's over the world. He's the creator of the world. He holds it all in his hands, and the created universe cannot do or be one single thing without God giving it Mm -hmm. the ability. Look, we just know that God is sovereign over oceans, over galaxies, orbits of solar systems and weather systems in our world. He's sovereign over history and geography astronomy, and for sure over all of heaven and and all of the angels there. And over the very everything.
0: hairs on your head. Oh, no. <laughs>
1: Which, may for me, may, may be a bigger task than <laughs> some of our
0: elders, right? So he's sovereign. <laughs> oh, hang on, don't throw them under the bus. We gotta,
1: funding. I will, we are got to have some humor
0: with this bad boy of a podcast. Okay, but there are
1: two areas if when we talk about God's sovereignty that mm. always give us heartburn.
0: Yeah, it's true. When we
1: think about it. The first one is the area of evil. Mm-hmm. So how can God be sovereign and good since there is so much suffering, yeah. sin and evil in the world? Where did it come from? If he alone is over all things, those are great questions. And it's the whole area of thought that's called theodicy, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. We've talked about that a good bit. Yep. So it's the question of evil and light of good and a, and a sovereign God. Now, We'll tackle that in a future episode. So if that's what you're waiting on, I'm you sick can, that day. Okay, well, me too. It'll be a very quiet one. No, it'll be. Fun. But we're going to talk about that another time. Mm-hmm. What we want to do today is talk about the second place of heartburn when it comes to God's sovereignty, God's sovereignty and our salvation. Mm-hmm. So this is redemption. Each of us being saved by the cross of Christ. Is God or how is God sovereign in our salvation? If God is sovereign over all things, does this include our or include who ultimately is or is not saved?
0: Yeah, huge questions.
1: In other words, and we can come at this topic from the side door, who chooses in salvation, God or me?
0: I think I think this is good and it's good to frame it this way that we can enter in and, and um and think together, but even framing it here, if you're like me when you're listening to this, <laughs> you've just had about nineteen other questions go through your mind when you start thinking thinking of uh yeah, wait, God's sovereignty and salvation. Um if if I'm the one who chooses, well how do I choose and why do I choose and why doesn't Another choose, why me and not my sibling? Is there something in me that's better Mm. or in something in them that's worse or something in me that's more prone to God or something like that? What about those who have not heard of Christ? How can God be good if they don't get a chance to hear? Is God impotent to save them since it says that, I mean doesn't it say that he desires all men to come to the truth it or does. all people to come to the truth? Yeah, he does. it does so. So I mean more questions like this if God's the one who chooses other questions arise does it make him unjust? Does it make him untrustworthy? What does it mean for evangelism? What does it mean for our own growth and holiness if God chose me? Maybe I can't do anything to get unchosen. I yeah. mean all sorts of questions arise from this and I think it's worth us tackling this uh whole area of um, election, of predestination, of sovereignty and salvation, because it's on people's minds. It might not be on your mind today, but it's on a lot of people's minds around us, or maybe this is something you wrestle with.
1: Yeah. And that's what I think is, look, ultimately it's not going to make a difference in some ways of like or yeah, right. at all in your salvation, but it can make a complete difference in the way that you live and walk out your faith with the Lord. Mm-hmm. So let's do this, this kind of start things off. Let's start in any good way, in defined terms, right? Mm-hmm. So then after that, let's declare our starting point so we can just get everyone thinking. Yep. Then let's investigate Scripture and unpack its framework. And then finally, in the next episode, we'll make this a two-parter because mm-hmm. if we can fit this all into one, <laughs> <What>? we're special. <laughs> But we can't. So in the in the next episode, in the final episode, we'll ask and answer some tough questions, some implications, and learn how to live into
0: it. Yeah, that's really good. And listen, we want to invite everyone to sink our roots deeper into Scripture's joy and Scripture's truth, and we hope that these few minutes together will bring more mm. clarity, more hope to our followership of Jesus. Um, we We don't want to... Um, you know, we did an episode a few a few months ago on um, how to disagree agreeably, no. you know, convinced of something but not canceling others. Like, our aim is not at all to corral people into a corner they don't want to be in. Rather, it's to give hope, grace, truth, understanding, joy, assurance to those who claim Christ. Mm. And the nice thing about a podcast— is that you can listen on your own, you can go back, you know, zoom backwards a few minutes and hear something again, you can press pause while you digest, all that kind of stuff. Yep. So, Ben, define some terms for us.
1: Yeah, so the very first one we need to talk about is the word sovereignty. Mm-hmm. So sovereignty is the absolute authority, an utter power, unrivaled, such that you get what you want. Boy, I like this. Can I, I, I be sovereign? I'm, I'm... No, I can't. Not even in my <laughs> so, home. <laughs> the question then is, is: God sovereign over creation? Hmm. If so, it means He has absolute authority and utter power to affect what He purposes. That's sovereignty. The next one is election. Mm-hmm. Ele- election simply means to choose. I ele- like. So let me put it this way: You elect to take cheesecake for dessert every time. I would elect that. <laughs> You choose cheesecake. Mm-hmm. There, there, there could have been other desserts, <laughs> but you elect, you choose cheesecake. I am not taking
0: the brownie when the cheesecake's there. Wow.
1: Okay. So when we speak of God's election, we are simply saying that He chooses. Okay.
0: He makes a choice.
1: So sovereignty, election, and then predestination. Oh. <laughs> hey, you give me all the heavy that, lifting in this. That I do. <laughs> So predestination is the same thing, just not from the active seat of choosing or electing, right? But from the result end of the equation. So the mm. outcome is predestined. Huh. So not the individual moments, right? But the outcome is predestined. Okay. Uh, you were telling me about this not too long ago in a really good novel that uh, you can see how it just can't be any other way than the hero and, and heroine coming together happily ever after. I mean, I was just watching a Disney movie with Harper. <laughs> they had to come together. Like, it, it was just going to happen. <laughs> that outcome is assured as you read or as you watch. It's predestined in the author's mind. Mm-hmm. So sovereignty, election, predestined. Sovereignty is the whole sphere of God's character. Election, the active part. Mm-hmm. predestine the outcome part. I think that's helpful a little clearing.
0: Yeah, that so really fun. is. And, um, and so then we move to, so those three definitions, then we move to what is our starting point as we're, Ben, you and I sharing this uh, and sharing what God has done in our lives and in our learning. We both believe that Scripture teaches God is unmistakably the sole author of our salvation. Not only did he purpose before time to save a people for himself, not only did he choose to send his son to die in my place, in our place, rise and raise him from the dead and pour his spirit out to birth the church, not only did he outline the grand moves of the gospel across the sweep of geography and history, He also individualizes those purposes and that choosing in actual lives. He chooses actual people for actual salvation, even before we choose him, even, as we'll see in just a minute, before we're created. He elects his elect. He predestines the predestined. And if that's not your starting point, but you're still listening, thank you. (laughs) But, but we want to invite you into a bigger world or a different world. We mm-hmm. want to help you see from our perspective as, as people who love the Lord and love people around us, we don't want to argue into a position as if to win a battle. We don't care about that. We want to invite you into um, what we have discovered, what we have seen in Scripture and in life and in other readers, and it's been just a joy um, to see that. Now... Some of you are listening and saying forget it you people are off base and you mm-hmm. you haven't turned us off yet <laughs> Others are listening and say yeah that's how I read scripture and I'm excited and maybe even some others are saying oh I'm kind of scared of where this all leads and I'm uncertain Well mm-hmm. great it, no matter where you are that's that's really all good Um if you disagree with where we're starting I would only say thank you for listening. Let us invite you to continue listening and wrestle with the data of Scripture. We're going to aim to be as careful as possible in laying out the case, and we hope you'll hear from us both respect and clarity. Um, it's it's very likely that, and, and, and this happens to me, when I land on one position in life, I often stop thinking through the other position, and maybe over time... Uh, You know, I I stop hearing what's actually someone saying, and I only hear bits and pieces of what I think they're saying. And um, so maybe there's bits and pieces of of what aren't really there going around in your mind if you say, I don't agree with predestination at all. Well, listen to what we're saying, and and let's, you know, wrestle with that. On the other hand, if your starting point is that you agree with us, we hope you also will learn something because we don't want to double down on anything, but God is mysterious and he's majestic and he's beautiful and he's bigger than any of us is ever going to be. And so hopefully this too will will not just give you a way to shoot anyone down. That's not the goal of any part of discipleship, um, but rather to handle this position with grace and with care, both for your own discipleship and soul, but also in sharing with others. I mean, I think every one of us, Ben, you and me included, have met the quote-unquote angry Calvinist Mm -hmm. who drives more people away with his unvarnished confidence and cockiness in what God has said. And and that's just not gracious, and it's just frankly embarrassing. So there's no angry Calvinists here, but I would say there's a couple of happy Calvinists. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, we're going to introduce you to uh, another happy Calvinist um, from his writings in the New Testament, <laughs> which, uh, of course, we think is St. Paul. But you can think of that yes or no at the end. You'll find out at the end if we made a good case for that or not. So, Ben, why don't you start making the case?
1: I wonder why Paul didn't write that at the end of every letter. Paul, the happy little Calvinist. <laughs> the Anyways, happy little just, Calvinist. <laughs> okay, he so He was short, wasn't he? I, I mean, I, I I think so.
0: Maybe that was just my veggie tales.
1: Yeah. Well, either way. Okay. So let's start off in the place that we need to start off
0: at scripture, right? So
1: the very, um, but let's look at it from a couple questions. And so let me answer, ask the first question. I'll answer it. We'll kind of go back and forth a little bit. So the very first question is, do we have any indication in scripture of God thinking about our salvation in eternity past before creation? And if so, what is he thinking? So, Hmm. Is God thinking about salvation before he's created anyone? That's an important
0: question. And does scripture tell us that? And Yep. That's a good question.
1: So let's answer this by looking at two phrases. And these phrases are all over scripture. The very first one is this, from the foundation of the world. Hmm. We see hmm. at least five times from the four New Testament authors that something has happened from the foundation of the world. Hmm. Peter says when speaking of the precious blood of Christ that saves us, Christ was foreknown from the foundation of the world and was made manifest in the last times for your sake. John in Revelation 13, verse 8 and 17, verse 8 says, "...all the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will marvel to see the beast." The author of Hebrews in Hebrews 9 26, Jesus, he says this, Jesus appeared once for all, not suffering repeatedly since the foundation of the world. God purposed to have one moment of climax in salvation the cross, not a repeated suffering, right? Paul in Ephesians 1 4. Praise be to, to the God and Father of our of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption as sons. Christ was foreknown before the foundation of the world. He is slain from the foundation of the world. Our names are written in the books of of life from the foundation of the world. He chose us before the foundation of the world. Whatever else this all means, (laughs) God is thinking, purposing, willing, planning before he launches any part of the creation project. Mm. Before he says, let there be anything, Mm. he's thinking these things.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Redemption is a known and agreed to plan among the Godhead from the foundation of the world. Okay, so let's look at the second phrase. And this one uh, is the mystery of his will. I think of so we've probably read this one a good bit, yeah. uh, and we want to offer it to you here. So the mystery of his will. And so we can see that Paul's speaking of his own calling to make known, quote, the mystery of God's will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Christ. That's, he, that's Ephesians 1, 9 to 10. He works all things according to the counsel of his will, Ephesians one eleven. Uh I mean Romans sixteen twenty five to twenty six also speaks of the unfolding of the mystery, God's plan and purpose now revealed in Christ. Paul in 1 Corinthians two seven we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Hmm. And then we've skipped some. <laughs> And what's amazing is this is just the New Testament. We -hmm. could go back to the Old Testament and see how often God speaks of his plans and his purposes. Perhaps less uh, cosmically and more in earthly terms for Israel, but nonetheless, God has a plan and he is enacting it. And I think that's the point that the sole witness of Scripture is that God has purposed all things pertaining to salvation and the magnification of his Son including the names written in the book. the mem- So that's the members of his body, right? Before the foundation of the world. He chose us. He predestined us. He has foreknown us. Like the entry of sin into the world did not throw off God off course. Mm. He already accounted for it. In fact, it's all part of his mysterious purposes such that life eternal would be all the sweeter. Mm-hmm. Before time and space, God is purposing. I just love those phrases, foundation of the world, the mystery of his will. Sin never gets God off course or on his back foot, but this is all mysterious.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's all in eternity past. Yeah. So now let's jump into time and space from God's purposes, mystery of his will, foundation of okay. the world. To our lives. And what is the scriptural language that talks about how salvation reaches into my life? And then this is the language where we see election and predestination and foreknowing. And we have already seen some of these verses in what you've just Hmm. shared because there's overlap here. But again, we're going from foundation of the world, mystery of his will in eternity past to how does it work in us. Well, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1, 5, like to be holy and blameless in his sight. Like he's adopted us. He predestined us. Okay. So he's bringing us into his family. First Thessalonians 1, verse 4. I love this one. I love this one. Look at the logic Paul uses to the Thessalonians. We know brothers that God has chosen you. Oh, how do we know that? Someone might ask. (laughs) Well, it's the very next line. We know, brothers, that God has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not only in word, but also in power in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. How do we know God has chosen the Thessalonians? Because when the gospel came in word, proclaimed, they responded with full conviction. The revelation of God's choice is because they responded to the gospel. That's amazing. That's how it happens. But notice they were chosen by God, and that's why they responded. There's a few others, but the absolute clearest statement of the chain reaction from eternity past into the present is in Romans chapter 8, and it's in verses 29 and 30. And what is it that happens? Okay, so here it is, and it's there's going to be five terms, and you're going to watch the chain reaction. And Paul says, listen, for those whom God foreknew, now now it's some people, it's not all creation, it's a subset of humanity. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that Jesus might be the firstborn of many, many brothers. Those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Five links in the chain, We all know the final two we will go all the way to the end. Glorified, that's the ultimate future state of being with God, like Christ, living in eternity without sin, 100% for the revealing of God's glory. That's glorified. That's the goal of our salvation. That's where everything's driving. How do we get there? Well, God justifies us. Those he foreknew, he predestined, he called, he justified, he glorified. So glorified Mm -hmm. is the unjustified, is when we surrender to God and he forgives us, he declares us not guilty, he cleanses us. Okay, who is it that he justifies? Who does he declare not guilty? In other words, who is it that surrenders? Those whom he calls. That's that middle link in the chain. There's a voice from God to us that awakens us, enlivens us, enables us to respond to the gospel. Well, who is it that he calls? Those that he's predestined to look like Jesus. Well, who is it that he's predestined? Those that he's foreknown. So glorified happens at the end of the age. Justified happens on a day in our lives. Calling also happens in our lives. When God calls us, we're spiritually dead and he makes us physically alive. But predestining us and foreknowing us happens before we were born. We see yeah. the whole, we, we see the whole link in the chain there. Um, from the, from the beginning of time, foundation of the world, all the way to the end of time. And I love these two verses. Yeah. There's just a lot of joy and, <laughs> and excitement in them. I'm just telling you that. Um, we are going to talk a little bit more about foreknow later. Does it mean only seeing choices in advance and then reacting to that? Or does it actually mean setting a course of action? It definitely means more the second you, yeah. you for knowing is, is not just, um, we see, we think of knowledge only in, um, you know, I learned, I learned the facts of my geography class and and I know those facts, like they're just facts on a, on a, on a bookshelf I can pull down. But actually, know is more of um, knowing people yeah. and human. And, and so foreknowing is, is choosing in advance. We know that, I think, because we've already said this verse, First 1 Peter 1.20, Christ was foreknown from the foundation of the world and was made manifest in the last times for your sake. God didn't see, oh, well, Jesus is going to do that. So, okay, I'm going to make the, Like, he's choosing to send Jesus, and it's from the foundation of the world. So foreknowing involves for choosing.
1: Yeah, he's not waiting to see how the other, one of the other members of the, of the Trinity, <laughs> Trinity is going to react,
0: right? Yeah, it's so true. Okay, so language of choosing, predestining for knowing they're strong, they're clear, they're tough to make mean anything hmm. other than that God has a mysterious and an eternal purpose that he is enacting, and in this mystery, it interacts on each of us individually. And ultimately, it leads to the glorification of the saints, and we're unbelievably privileged. Mm. Um, Okay, we could keep going. Romans 9 speaks of God choosing Jacob over Esau while in the womb. Um, We won't stop there, but you can read that. In fact, we're going to get there on Sunday mornings pretty soon here at Grace, and and there's just rich beauty there, but they didn't do anything because they're still in the womb. Um, Well, does that Mm. mean God's unjust? Well, we'll talk about that too. You know, Scripture is overflowing with instances where God chose people and they had no inkling they'd be chosen. Paul on the road to Damascus, he was going to persecute and kill. God saved him right then. John the Baptist, Jeremiah, Samson, each one, like Jacob, chosen in the womb. Noah, chosen to build an ark. Moses, chosen to deliver people at the burning bush. Aaron, chosen to go get with Moses. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Israel, God says in Deuteronomy 7, hey, it's nothing in you that I chose you. You weren't the biggest, you weren't the best, you weren't the most lovely. David was chosen. I mean, nobody wanted to choose him. He was the eighth (laughs) son. I mean, we could put a hundred more in here instances from Scripture, including pagans. Cyrus was chosen a hundred years before he invaded, but God said he would in Isaiah 44 and 45. Pharaoh was chosen for this reason I raise your. Okay, so God chooses for events in life, and he also chooses for events in eternity, salvation and participation in his family. So this certainty, or this this certainly leads us to a question, yep. Ben. what's our part? Is there such a thing as free will or real choices? What's going on here?
1: Yeah, so uh just to be very clear, like our part is this: that we have full responsibility for our choices. We make Real choices. We have moral agency and moral accountability, but here's the problem: our wills are in bondage under sin, and we mm-hmm. cannot of ourselves choose for God. Now, that was Luther who started that kind of that, that idea, right? Yeah, I wrote that the great book, bond, "Bondage bond, yeah, of the Will." will. Uh, it was very influential for me. Just mm-hmm. thinking through that, uh, so that means two things. The first is this real choices. We Mm. make real choices in our lives, and they matter for our lives and eternity. This is not fatalism. We are not robots. This is not karma or impersonal forces. As much as I hate it, it's not the force. (laughs) Rather, there is a human in the image of God on whom God impresses things, Mm. and he can get through when he needs to. It's important. Praise the Lord. And so we can choose what car to buy, what movie to watch, what food to eat on the menu. We can choose what person to marry, Mm -hmm. the patterns to raise our kids with, and more. We have free will in the things that are, as he mentioned, as Luther mentioned, Mm -hmm. the things beneath us. Yeah. But the choices we make, so these are the choices we make in our time, our money, our actions, and our words, right? but as luther wrote when, when it comes to the things that are uh, above us the things of salvation god evil and eternal destiny we don't have much of a say in those do we mm-hmm. so that's the first we make real choices but here's the second is that we can't choose god the term free will when used in salvation terms is just <laughs> it's just not biblical we do not see it in scripture yes we are americans we believe in freedom <laughs> but
0: yeah we don't
1: the term free will when it comes to salvation is not a biblical thing we do see free will offerings mm-hmm. that is offerings that we freely choose to give but when it comes to relating to god as sinners we do not see it mm-hmm. we see rather that we are dead in our transgressions and our sins and one of the most helpful things for me when I was reading that was simply going, can a dead person make a choice? Like so often I think we underestimate that level of of mortality, of that level of deadness, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like dead, dead men, dead women, we don't make choices, mm-hmm. not at all. Mm-hmm. Something has to happen to you, to us, before we can make a choice for God. There is no one who seeks God. There is none. That sounds yeah. almost biblical.
0: <laughs> Have you been in Romans three? A
1: little bit. Over the last year and a half. <laughs> so something again has to happen before we can see God for salvation. Mm-hmm. It's scriptural. So we see it in scripture, but only in terms of free will offerings. We never see it to do with salvation. Right. So we see the whoever whosoever will. And is is scriptural. Mm-hmm. Our King James people yeah. will love that yeah. one. Whosoever will. for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that that whoever will believe in Him will not perish but have eternal life. The amazing part is we were <laughs> joking. I mean, Paul believed that too, as a That's happy right. Calvinist. Yeah. In the whosoever of Scripture, because the message goes far and wide, and the only way into God's family mm-hmm. is through belief. Our response of faith to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Romans 10, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yeah. Because who gives us the faith? Well, God does.
0: Mm-hmm. Who gives us the new birth? God does. Jason, where else do you see it? One of my favorite texts when we think of our choices and God's choice melding or interacting is John chapter six and it begins at verse thirty five and it goes on for you know twenty or thirty verses but John six thirty five I think it's the classic text for interaction of our choice for God and his choice of us. And it starts with Jesus saying I am the bread of life. So it's that passage. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me there's that great word whoever whosoever King James Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. And, you know, someone might say, aha, finally, a verse that puts it all on me. <laughs> it's free will. Whoever comes to me, uh, you know, Jesus just throws it wide open. Except that the very next thing Jesus says is this. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I won't cast out. You see that? All that the Father gives me will come to me. Well, who is God giving to Jesus? The people he's saving. In fact, just a few verses later, Jesus speaks even more clearly in verse 44. Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, which is kind of parallel to gives him to me from verse 35, 36. In that passage, whoever, 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 is repeated 10 or 12 times. And at the same time, all that the Father gives me, or no one can come unless the Father draws him, that's repeated four or five times. In the same passage, Jesus shows that he's a Calvominion. <laughs> he's got both right there. We come, but God draws. God makes the choice for us by drawing us, by wooing us, by giving us to Jesus. And then we make the choice to come for him. Mm. I love that passage. And I think the more you study it, the more you get into it, you're like, oh, right. We're looking at both. So helpful.
1: All right. So before we move on, uh, let's just kind of give a quick summary of where we've been so far, because, you know, I'm already getting lost. All right. (laughs) <laughs> and I've got the notes in front of me. Uh, okay, so no, like the first thing we've kind of looked at is that we have seen that God is the author and sustainer of all of salvation. We saw that through two phase, two phrases, from the foundation of the world mm-hmm. and the mystery of his will, that far before creation ever was enacted, God was looking into salvation. Sin didn't take him by surprise. Yep. The church wasn't an accident. The people, like, election wasn't an, an accident either. He was thinking these things before anything had even happened. The second is the election is everywhere in Scripture. Hmm. I mean,
0: yeah, he's choosing everywhere. Yep.
1: And then third, we make real choices and we are responsible for them. But despite that, we are, as Luther was saying, in bondage to sin and we cannot choose God on our own. Hmm. So that's Those are the three things we've covered. So uh, one final question and then we'll we'll wrap it all up. Jason where where does this leave us? Oh, oh me? Yeah. No, you answer. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't like what you wrote. So.
0: <laughs> well, um I actually thought you were answering. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but you know, it seems that uh and I'll take a stab but you can play cleanup. Well, <laughs> I'm happy to
1: either way. I was just joking.
0: <laughs> you, you always do. You always. I do always wait stuff. for
1: the good, the people to, to go out on the phone I go, okay, I'll, go, I'll say that too. <laughs> well, here, let, then I'll go ahead because I, this is one of the things that it, it makes up such a foundational point, especially later in the part two as we're mm-hmm. answering some of the questions. But like this is interesting and just helpful for I think listeners for you guys to hear coming from the Calvinists with a bloody tulip in our hands, right? Just bludgeoning people. <laughs> oh no. But both the Calvinist and the Arminian have a God who could save more, or could save more, and yet more are not saved. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a tension here. The Arminian is perhaps attempting to protect God from the charge of unfairness or injustice. Well, if salvation is left uh, left up to each sinner, then it's not on God. Like, okay, that makes sense. But the God of the Arminian system— leaving an individual salvation up to them is open to the exact same charge of being unfair. Why design a system where, you know, millions will not choose you. You are an eternity past and can design it any way you like. Why can you be still called good? If you do millions to hell by knowing they would not have a chance to hear Christ's name. So
0: that's a good point.
1: That's heavy. But what it means is so both systems have a charge of injustice against them. Mm -hmm. But I love this. But do you know what? Only one of them is asked in Scripture. Mm. Romans 9 charges God with injustice for choosing some and not others. It does not charge God with injustice for the lack of availability to people. It's for God's actual choice that Paul's imagine, or uh, is is debating his imaginary debating partner holds God's feet to the fire, mm-hmm. mm. but actually it seems that God always, always, <laughs> always, <laughs> always surprises humans. And I mean, we were talking about this not too long ago. Like I that we like I think the witness of Scripture is that there is a multitude in heaven will be far beyond our ability to reckon mm. our numbers. Yeah, it's true. Like, again, and you can butt in here in just a second, but like we were, again, just processing this before, is the longer that I walk with Jesus, the longer in my salvation I am, the more that I look at the God who sent his son to the cross. And I can't help but imagine if if he's the God choosing, he's going to choose more than we could imagine he would. Because the God who was so loving and is so gracious to send his son, why why wouldn't he be so gracious and so loving to be on the higher end of that numerical spectrum?
0: Well, not only that is, Ben, how could you possibly have a more gracious thought than God? Oh, don't say that. (laughs) If you could think more people should be saved, how can you be more gracious than God? Well, you can't, I can't, none of us can. And the great news is if God's the one choosing, he can do something about it. Yeah, he's not left on the sidelines saying, "Well, I gave everyone free will." Yeah. So I just I think you're exactly right. The longer you walk with God, the more he, the more we worship Jesus and we realize how big the sacrifice is. Mm-hmm. This is not a small feast we're going to. This is not a small feast. I I feel like I I don't know if it's um you know the great Reformed theologian B. B. Warfield or Charles Hodge, and I should have looked it up, and I apologize, but he And I've preached this before, and I should yeah. maybe have just looked in my notes, but um, he, he, one of them said, you know, he reckons that the ratio of the population of heaven to hell, the ratio of the population of heaven to hell, how big is heaven versus hell, in his speculation from Scripture, specifically Romans 5, he approximates as the ratio of the population of all of society to prisons. Hmm. I don't think most people think that way. I think they think hell is bigger. But, you know, reformed theologian, God choosing, but he says, I actually think it's going to be like factorially bigger Hmm. in heaven than in hell. Not universalism, but maybe God is bringing more people to himself than we can imagine. Yeah, because we're
1: not limiting God's judgment or wrath here. We're not dismissing it as if it's not real. Mm
0: -hmm. No. But we're also just
1: trying to remind and highlight like that we serve a gracious and loving God as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know... Uh, we did the podcast on cognitive biases, and yeah. I am an optimist, <laughs> but I'm a biblical optimist. I'm a happy Calvinist yeah. because I see God choosing, and I don't think—I mean, look, if he's going to go ahead and choose you, I know, I know he's choosing a bunch of I, other people before you. Well, that's you. the thing that gets me. Like, Remember, <laughs>
1: we joked about this. I had someone come to my door and, and tell me about the 144,000 they are going to mm. be saved, and I was like, my friend, if that's it, I don't think I'm making it in. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm not. I'm definitely not. (laughs) I mean, please. Well, listen, the God we know from Scripture is good. He's overflowingly Mm -hmm. gracious. He's all-powerful, and He's mysterious. And it's okay that He's mysterious. And I'm happy to rest on the biblical data of His choice of us, and not just us, you and me and the listeners, but of millions millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions more like me who are sinful and unable to choose Him and unworthy to come near, and so He comes near to us. Well, maybe your head is spinning, so join us on the next episode. (laughs) We'll spin it in the other direction (laughs) and get you all. But you know what? I mean, we got more questions. We're going to tackle them. What does it mean for evangelism? Is my life faded Or things like that. But in the meantime... Go ahead, open your scriptures from today's uh, episode, open your scriptures, search out the mind of God, rejoice, learn, probe, uh, wrestle with Him, pray, worship, but as you do all that, know that the whole point is not knowledge in a factual sense of a doctrine, but knowledge of God who gave himself for you. Amen. And he wants to spend time with you wrestling with this or anything in scripture. And so we offer this as a way for you to grow in knowing the Lord and rejoicing in him. And we look forward to you joining us the next time for part two of this, uh did God choose me or did I choose God? We'll see you then. This is a ministry of Grace Fellowship Church in Kinston, North Carolina. Visit gracekinston.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.